Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh. It's a pleasure for me to have Kulveer Singh on the podcast with me today. He is our Executive Director at Sikri. And... Um, this is going to be sort of an unusual podcast, something which we haven't done before. But it flowed from a conversation which I had with him yesterday. And uh, we thought, wouldn't it be nice that if these conversations we could bring out to our audience. So having said that, I want to invite Kulveer Singh, who is our executive director, to come in and talk a little bit about what he felt that conversation that he and I shared yesterday was worth bringing out to all of you. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me uh, to the podcast and uh, I'm very blessed right now that not only do I get to help with the, uh, the organization and, and what Sikri does as the, uh, as the executive director right now, but uh, uh, I'm also uh, more delighted to be a consumer of the content, but uh, every once in a while being able to now contribute to some of the uh, the messages, the uh, uh, the learnings, the insights that we gather as we explore the Guru's message and bringing that to others and, and really hopefully rise to the challenge of COVID and the pandemic and people really searching for uh, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, uh, a touchstone to help guide them through this world of uncertainty where so many waves of of crisis are, 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 at our, are at our shores individually and collectively. And so I think we've been able to push out a lot of great ideas and concepts. Um, but one of the desires I've had, uh, and I think this one may have been the spark for you, is, is to try to meet people where they are in their lives. And what that means is uh, how do they make sense uh, from a sick lens of, of the, the important things that happen in people's lives or the important decisions that we need to make in our lives. And so, for example, that's, uh, uh, you know, this kind of this one stigma that we all know is there uh, that Bonnie spends, uh, the Guru spent an enormous amount of time contextualizing for us, but one we, we avoid, and that's, um, and that's death. Uh, that's what we perceive as the ending of our physical forms. And, and I don't know what is more uh, uh, fear-inducing, uh, the, the, the fear of losing the most precious loved ones in our lives or, or our own mortality and, and having to think about our own end and our legacy and the unfulfilled bucket list of things we wanted to do and, and be. So I, I, I just felt that uh, I don't think we can obviously do justice to the topic here, but at least maybe speak a little bit to it as, as people who've experienced uh, personal loss. And I know for you, you're, you're in the middle of that right now with your family. Uh, but, but how do we maybe, you know, less the uh, presentation and the course on Sikhi and death. I think today, maybe we can share our own experiences, maybe some of our own context um, and how we've tried to mix, make some sense of this and, and what, how Gurbani's inspired us. I think maybe that you know, might be the setup for this conversation. Sounds good, you know, and so this conversation is different, but I can even say that today is nine years since my mother's passing. She left nine years ago, this earthly realm. And this week also we are experiencing um, 
a loss of an incredible, fine, fine human being, steeped in goodness and humility, who left earth. And when I received the news of my brother-in-law's death, that's what I really felt. And in that, in that, when I listened to the way he passed away in his sleep, it was a moment of, of an ardas that just flowed from my heart. May I leave in the same manner? Mm. You know, which was different from nine years ago when my mother passed away and she left at 4.15 in the morning listening to the hukam from Darbar Sab. Um, my feeling at, when I heard that the ardas within was, Guru fulfilled her wish. May Guru fulfill mine. So there's in the nine years, there has been that growth of accepting uh, gracefully, I, I think, you know. And then as the Shabbat has worked uh, on me, chiseled me, um, this death idea is not, um, doesn't have that hold, that fear. No longer has the power of fear. I see this as a transition. Um, you know, I was speaking to my sister-in-law uh, a couple of days ago, and, uh, you know, she said her, her biggest fear was, and, you know, she's from India, she said her biggest fear was the burning of the body. And she couldn't wrap herself to let go of the fear of being burnt. Mm. And she says... And then I read Paivir Singh's essay on death, and he described the death, the, the burning of the body as a cleansing. So for the, for the Atma to rise and continue its journey henceforth. And she said that has provided her great comfort. And she, that whole, that fear has lessened the the definition of you know in my definition of jardikala and a gursik is is somebody who you spend time with and you feel better about yourself you feel better about your potential it isn't someone who guilts you or lectures you or says tells you all the things you're not doing it, it, it they meet you where you are and they uplift you because they have this sense of um, abundance in their life the sense of unconditional love in their life and, and I think that's profound for all the people I've met in my life who've lived that way and they've kind of left that way. There's a savar, a santok. You know, I always think of people like you, you think of your, your brother-in-law and your mother, and I've had you know, family members who are real connected to Shabd. Um, you know, in our life, we often are uh, uh, really <laughs> cursed with a sense of never having enough, never having enough food, never having enough food or Clothings or accommodations or all those things are wealth, of course. But even when it comes to time, we never seem to have enough, and, and we're always grasping for more. And I, I, I think that from us, you know, that if you apply that to the hours and the days we have left, is how do we get to a point where whatever we receive, we have enough. So we often talk about you know Panamana and and Jokush Hega we usually apply that to, well, if that's all the money you have, if that's all the, you know, your family's like this and accepting hukum, 
but we never ever extending that to what well, the life you have is the life you have. So take care of this life, but you know, artificially extending it, uh, life is not meant to be judged by the quantity of it, but the quality of it. And that sage, that savar is something that I, I think um, you've seen up close and I've seen up close as well. I, I guess a question for you, and I, I've been, uh, as I was thinking about this uh, podcast and going deeper is, you know, it, when I just reference uh, Bonnie and you just search for death, obviously it comes up thousands and thousands of times. Two of the biggest um, uh, uh, references that uh, the gurus and the bhaktas made is that death is coming, right? That death is at your window, that every day in Soila, it's the hours are slipping away, that the invitations to marry death are being handed out every day. Somebody gets the invitation there. And so to have this ever kind of omnipresent awareness that your time is limited, that you don't know when that moment will come, that you're whisked away. But at the same time, there's the uh, fear of death that is always personified as the jambut, the messenger of death, the grim reaper. And that if you, a Gorsik's life is one where jambut na ave nere, the dar of the jambut, right? that there's not there. And so maybe speak a little bit about how, how can you live a life where like not like most of us where we don't even try to think about death we think that's right? we say our own parents our own families talk about that but you know the gurus say that death should never be far beyond your conscious but it should not be so all-consuming that the fear of death then debilitates you in some way so maybe speak a little bit about that i think for me that fear and there's a beautiful there's a beautiful there be two beautiful lines it is what is dying and what is living in Barney, death is when you are not connected to Nam, mm. and living is when you are. So for that, for me, has been a major big breakthrough. If, you know, mm. there are certain parts where you, it just takes you to a different level. And those two lines for me took me to a different level. And the idea of the messenger of death being uh, the fearful, it's it's not there in the sense because when you recognize that the jyot is within you and that jyot will protect you, with is with you constantly. If I closed my eyes today, if I was called today, it, would ha it has been an incredible life. Every, I mean, there is the life that I'm leading right now, I could not even have imagined it. And so that fear is gone. Or it's not there, or it's not something I think about. But I do, there's one thing, if there is one thing that I truly believe in and work towards is that every moment is precious, every breath is precious. So what you put out through your words matters. It stays. It's, it's um, like almost every other concept, uh, our gurus have redefined life and death. And the, I think maybe the lines you were referring to is in Vedas Akanjiva Visarimakya. That when I when I speak, I, when I am connected, I am living. And Visro, if I am separated from you, uh, that is my death in this life. Yeah. So, you know, I, you don't mourn when a wave in the ocean collapses back into the ocean. Yeah. Right? You don't say. That, and so the wave is distinct for a short period of time. And, and you can call it, you can see it, it's journey from start to end, but it comes from the ocean, it returns back to the ocean. And I think if you, if, as a, as a Gursik, if we start 
really realizing that jolt is within us, that atma, paramatma, that we come from the source, we go back to the source, we are the source, we are a part of that at any point in time, then this physical transition becomes less and less relevant. And I think that's where I've always always thought about the the the, the amazing sings and cores in our history who have uh, you know death is the bride of the brave and and that they 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 walked into battle knowing that the physical body was not going to survive but yet they did it with a smile on their face and a prayer on their lips i remember reading in an article about soldiers six soldiers in i think it was world war one that they ran into battle with a contempt for death and i always thought that's that's my definition of amrit amrit being death aid being the negation of it that it doesn't mean that you it's not the nectar of immortality that will allow you to live physically forever or any of that, that mythology. It's, it's saying that death has the, the grip that death has bound on all of humanity and every person that is so fear rendering and becomes so paralyzing that a, a sick has broken that. They become amrit, they're living that amrit, and then all of a sudden their lives, their choices, their lifestyle, everything about them is liberated. How do we apply that back to in our own lives is that, you know, how do we, in this era of fear and uncertainty about everything, how do we become, you know, how do we embody that Amrit spirit in our lives? But the only way I know, honestly, um, is through Barney. That's the only way I know. And that, that it's, this is not the end. This is journey. And as far as I know from... You know, from my experiences, I go by my experiences because Guru and I have this bond. Because when I came to the path, uh, Guru said, if you want to experience, this is the way. And I said, I want to experience everything in there. And you will if you walk this path. So that's my bond with Guru. So you try to make amends in this lifetime and you tread carefully. Know, we're we're in this uh, twilight zone right now where we don't know what's coming or going um, I think as a, as a month we've lost some very uh, renowned individuals uh, I think in you know, all of our families have been touched I know the US has hit a very good milestone and I know in the UK particularly some some of the sick community has been very adversely affected and job and, and even in Canada uh, through through the pandemic and illness but um, how, how should that make us, you know, we're in our homes, but we're fearful of what the future is. But I always then look at the life of Guru Harkrishna. Right. Uh, and I look at that and said, that was the pandemic of the day. And and what did the, the Guru do? And the Guru had the ability to retreat and to quarantine, but yet they chose to serve. And not that, that that's the exact mantle that we need to hold ourselves up to. But how can we still be safe? How can we still serve and do that with a sense of fearlessness? Not, um, uh, I don't want to say carelessness, but a sense of fearlessness over we do it there. So I always imagine it as a thought experiment. What would it do to people if, if you literally had the clock? <laughs> you had the app on your phone that would tell you, here's, you know, here's your birth date, here's your end date. And you knew that, you know, on one level, it could be debilitating and dreadful. 
I think, right? For, for many people that they just, they spend their whole life in fear, waiting up until that moment. And, but on the other side, I think it would, you know, hopefully, uh, I think for some, it would give them that sense of purpose. And so we may not know what that date is, but if we know that every day we have is a blessing. And I see this with people who, who have now, you know, have a second lease on life, right? They've been saved from, uh, you know, there was a health emergency, a heart attack or a cancer disease like that, or they saved, you know, they were saved from some accident. And they now, you know, they transform their life in an instant. The yes. NIMIC, right? That they, they transport. And I, and I said, is, are we humans condemned that we have to have near-death uh, moments to transform our lives? Or do I, can, I, can I, without that kind of perilous moment, how, how do I bring that sense of focus and purpose because I think most of us are, are stuck on autopilot, right? And I, frankly, I'll speak, you know, we, we go through life and, you know, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And, and many of us have woken up every X years, five years, 10 years, 10, and you look back and you're like, where did those years go? You know, we talk about the cliche, smell the roses. Don't walk through them. Don't rush through life. We get so busy, you know, making the breakfast, doing this, doing that, that we've actually missed the boat. Of the experiences. I've smelled a lot of roses this summer, I have to tell you, because <laughs> I've, <had, laughs> I've had lots of time to smell roses this year. <laughs> That's a good thing. But you know, there's one thing, while we have this purpose and all, we just we believe that even when we have this purpose and we are driven and we are on autopilot, that uh, I want to call the shadows or the darkness that comes into our lives, which you talked about, you know, maybe there's an accident or, but even if there isn't, even they're in relationships, that they, you go through a difficult patch. It is that accepting of the shadows, it's that accepting of the darkness to recognize that that darkness is also in hookum, and that's where you grow the most. I guess I have to ponder is that, um, you know, if everything is hookum, yes, then light is hookum, darkness yes. is hookum. Yes. And, and creation nourishment, sustainment, and destruction is all part of hookum. And I was always, in my, some of my presentations, I've, I've put up this picture of a, uh, a snake eating a mouse. And mm -hmm. I say, is this, is this good or bad? Mm -hmm. And some people are horrified at the picture and the mouse and stuff. And I said, well, the answer is, well, is it good or bad? It depends if you're the snake or if you're the mouse. <laughs> the snake is very happy in the situation. The mouse is not so happy. And so our, our interpretations of, of, of what happens uh, are, are our own interpretations. Hokum is not good or bad. Hokum just is. And I think the hardest hokums to uh, uh, manifestation of hokum is to understand and to appreciate and to accept is in these situations because, it, you know, I was destined to win the lottery or to get that job promotion or to meet those. Those are all the ones we, we, we celebrate, those tokens. We go, oh, Guru's blessed us with so much. But can we say if everything is a blessing, then if we're blessed with not only ease but disease, how do we turn that into a blessing? And I've been told this, you know, I've been going through a, through a challenging time. And actually, I was reprimanded. To and you know, with this such a so happy. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, itni badi terena tragedy ho or tu kuch kani rahi, tu kari a shukar. You know, and I just said, 
But I look at it that I'm in a country where I have the best medical equipment available to me. I am fortunate that I'm in a house. I have the money. We have the best, you know, medical doctors that are. Um, and I was actually told, Tere part karanda keep. What is the purpose of doing you doing all this part if these bad things are still happening to you? And I'm, you know, I I, I sometimes don't know how to answer that. And these are my dear, lovely, lovely uh, elderly aunts, and they mean yeah. the best for me. Yeah. And they're coming from a place of love. Yeah, I I had an aunt who uh, came to our house many years back, and she had just been diagnosed with uh, with cancer, with breast cancer, and it was early stages. And, and she's doing great now. It's been many years. But she came and she's, she was of that mindset. She's like, Because And I totally understand where she's coming from. And in that moment, I was there. And I've never had that kind of um, diagnosis. So I can't, I probably would see much worse things. But I, I was just thinking at the time is that if if our ardas uh, is is if the guru's ardas, which is what we try to emulate, the, the guru's ardas uh, has had always been for um, material gain and avoidance of physical pain, then then our gurus <laughs> our gurus are we going to say our gurus ardases weren't fulfilled? You know those that were perfect perfect beings connected with ekonkar. That that you know that was their loss, and they didn't get it because many of them lost their wealth many times over. Their kids didn't listen to them. They had many of them had very physically painful, and and I mean, ends that would have been physically painful. And I said, well, so either they either they their losses were pravan, or maybe that wasn't their loss. And that's where I've really taken a lot of reflection is that. Maybe the loss of the sick is isn't necessarily for this material gain and avoidance of physical pain. It's that uh, let me accept everything as this is, and and it isn't good or bad or whatever that is. It it just is, and let me accept that this is the cold hard reality of, of the book. Let me be in the raza, and if it is unfortunate news about. My family, myself, my health—whatever that is—that is is going to make my life a lot more difficult. Then it's not just a prayer of acceptance, but it's a prayer of strength and resilience. The Babaji bal bakshimen, chardi kalam bakshimen, ke jamay degui pya, the tusi mene khada kar, and that that I can tackle, I can fight the next fight. Most six, especially second, third generation, really struggle with accessing Barney. And part of it is physical that the Guru Granth Sahib is put on such a pedestal that physically can't be accessed. But even when they can get to it and open it, and even if they can read Gurmukhi, you know the translations are are, not, are lacking, the interpretations that are there, and all this stuff. But somehow, that all that being said, you know it's, it's transformed you, and you've built this love and this relationship with it. Maybe talk about, and and you're not a native. Gurmukhi no. speaker, Punjabi speaker, and stuff. So maybe just speak about how how did you do that, and what advice would you have now, given all the tools that people maybe have at their disposal and time, perhaps as well. You know, I mean, honestly, I began my journey with uh, with the four volumes of uh, 
Dr. Manmohan Singh, the Blue Book, you know, mm. uh, not I see Manmohan Singh's translation, and it's the mindset because I knew there was something in there that I needed that was going to was I was seeking. I think the idea was I was seeking something um, because every other place uh, I couldn't get to what I wanted. When I began reading those translations, and inept as they are and were, there was something very much there in those translations that moved me. Because they come to you. For a seeker, things come to you. You're in that mindset where every thought becomes so precious. I did not know this. I mean, for me, Kulbir, honestly, it was when I read that the Jyot is within me. Mantu Jyot Sarupa. No one had told me that before. I mean, that was such a foreign concept. It was also empowering and it was the most frightening thing for me. Awesome. Because what was I doing? I mean, if the light was, divinity was within me, this body, this brain, this consciousness was not worthy of having that within me. It was really, uh, it was monumental in my experience. I mean, that's what uh, drove me to make myself worthy of that light, this body, this consciousness, this mind, this everything. I mean, that was that one thing that actually changed my entire life. I, I am always amazed by um, these folks like you and I and all of us that are in moments of inspiration lifted and the qualities of a saint that are in each one of us become manifest. And then we become the sad side. We become the sods in that moment because we have the good in our presence for the, the shoved at our lips. And we're now thinking about it, not just with our heads, but we're starting to plant it in our hearts. And I think if we do that, and I, that for me has been transformational. And then the other piece has been as I've stumbled my way through the journey of Simran and meditation and the in, inner, the inner pilgrimage that we say, and you know, people often say, I and stuff like that. And I, I, and I have that as much as everybody else. But the greatest lesson I heard is that that's actually the lesson of Simran, is that if you can, all those ailments, bearing and embracing all those ailments and inconveniences and distractions, if in that you can connect with the Shabbat and with the Simran, then that is the training for when the ultimate distractions of life come upon you. And the ultimate distraction at the end that you've had some semblance of some strength and muscle you've built around that, that when the ultimate pain comes, perhaps at the end, the ultimate inconvenience comes, that you've, it's a track that you've maybe gone down or you've cultivated that, that you're not experiencing it for the first time. So the people that leave the world with Simran at their lips, that is not the first time they've recited Vahegri. That's right. It's, it's, it's a lifetime it, it, of cultivation and preparation right. for that moment. Yes, it is. You know, there is individual learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the... And I look at Sikri's project, the Guru Granth Sahib project, and I'm so grateful that this is out there for the seekers. 
Because here now, at their fingertips, they can go and look at each word. They don't need to take my translation. They don't need to take anybody's translation or transcreation. Every word is out there for them. Just go and do it yourself. Because and yes, because unless you don't engage with Shab, that oja ras hegaena, that sweetness, that in depth, unless you don't struggle with it, with each word, what does these five words in this one sentence mean to me? And those five words will speak to you because of your situation, and that's why the Shabad which says. Sahib mera nitnava sada sada datar. That this will never get old. Mm-hmm. It's always new because you are approaching it in that mindset. Yeah. I mean, we began with uh, we're talking about death, and honestly, death is just the next phase into something far greater. If you believe that whatever happens. happens for the best and the guru is always there and the, the light is within you the jyoti is within you the jyoti lives on but make yourself light enough that you can travel and you Wherever. are not a burden you yeah. know i mean i mean that's the ardas of i think everyone there is not a person on this on this planet who says make me suffer as i'm leaving you know well. everyone says you know take me away while i'm still in my senses so i'm walking i'm not a burden to anyone else yeah. but even to say that and to acknowledge that uh, and to live with that um with that grace i call it grace there's mm-hmm. nothing else but uh, but that i know it's hard for people to even say that in when you have lost someone or when that someone has passed how can you say i said because i am grateful for the way he left i rejoice his passing the loss is there for the family but what a gift for him what a tribute to his life i'm thinking about him So I I think it would be remiss though to also not consider the the uh the other scenarios for for our going and that that others go through which is a very traumatic a very sometimes painful uh, prolonged illness suffering uh either mental or physical or or uh, you know things that go with that so how do we I think that's where the hokum it's great and uh, you know if we if you know celebrating the life of a 103 year old passing somewhere right a um, full life lived and everything and they went you know great but but we also have family members and and that and then there's the fear that we have of these debilitating illnesses that really make people you know dependent on their families dependent on their loved ones on caregivers for even their physical needs and I had uh, you know a, 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 an uncle of Diaji who's the like the patriarch of our family who you know felt to the double curse of alzheimer's and parkinson's and so he used down the spiral and and the the man he was when he was raising me and 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 unfortunately the physical shell that he was at the end and and the spirit was still there but all that there and how how do we approach that when it's others or loved ones and we see that 
that attrition <laughs> happening. And then, and then also, how do we prepare? Because I think, I think that's our, you know, the fear of the body being burned at the end is one thing. At least I'm not in it. But the fear of paralysis, the fear of dementia, these kind of things. How do we, how do we look at it from a sequence, perhaps? You know, it. But I wanted, and it is also, you know, when we lose somebody as young as an 18 year old or a five year old, you know, that was painful, and it's. And in this, in the suffering, you know, I've been in situations where people have been on bed, you know, and their families have looked after them. And I spoke to my aunt, and she says, you know, beta, is the which we this has brought the family together, mushkal hega, but we are together. So even in those circumstances, she was able to uplift everyone. But the fear is for myself, if I'm in that situation and I'm being a burden or you are that or your loved one is doing that. And the only thing, you know, we come back to is give me the strength to deal with it with grace. You can cry about it and you can make yourself miserable about it or you can say, that or you can live it actually it's not even saying it it's living it and i fully acknowledge fully acknowledge what what we are saying is easier said than done because day in and day out when you are in that situation it is extremely hard because it's taxing on the mental on the physical on the emotional on every level it is extremely taxing but that's you know what we are made of. We have situations in front of us. There's a war in front of us. And yet those men went into battle knowing that they were not going to come back. We have a situation where somebody is bedridden and is in paralysis, and we know it's going to be another four or five years. We don't know. It could be longer. And then how do we deal with it? It all comes down to the individual. But the hardest part is, may I not be in that place where somebody has to look after me and I'm a burden on someone else? But, but if that happens, I think it's back to the the, the talk conversation we had about the Ardas. Yeah. At the end of the day, what else can we do other than eventually accept it? Right? And, yeah. and, and I think that's where we land to, is that you can't run away from it. What is meant to be, what will happen, will happen. But how do we... And I think where we struggle against it, uh, you know, the, the Buddha is saying of, you know, pain is unavoidable, but suffering is optional, right? Uh, so yeah. we can't get away from the physical pain and the physical hurt and the emotional pain. You know, we feel our emotions are our emotions, but, you know, the, how do we move away from suffering? And I think even in those situations um, where we've had family members who've gone in tremendous pain, suffering, you know, you know, bodies broken and those things. And still, they they're able to transcend that some way and and use Bonnie as their as their their guide, their asra through the next world there. And and that's where you know we look at our gurus and and the sheeds in front of us is that huge. You know, you can't say that they didn't make, that their nerves stopped working. Of course, they felt the physical pain, but yet somehow the conditioning, the training of the mind, and the transformation and the perspective. Uh, of the jolt is is then and that focus on echo God is doing there. So I think that's that's 
something we cultivate, right? Not something that it is. It is something. It's a lifelong journey. You cultivate it. It doesn't happen overnight. It's you yet grace is in the blink of eye. You know, and we are graced. But to recognize that we are graced is the challenge. And the moment you experience that or recognize that grace, your life takes on a different meaning. And then it becomes, may I always live in this grace? May I live in this presence? And therefore, accepting is possible. And if the jolt is within us, and I think this is where you know we need to start, and I, I'm with my own children, is that if we if we think of God as something out there, and it's this He, and it's the Zeus with thunderbolts and lightning, blessing some and smiting yeah. others. Then we spend our whole life trying to patronize, trying to uh, uh, seek the blessings of this outer being. Uh, but if we truly bring it from God uh, into our minds and recognize that Jyot is within us, then if Vaigru is within us, then where's Vaigru's Kippa? It is not binary, it is not selective, it is not arbitrary, it is actually there all the time. And I think our journey is one of realization and awareness that that grace has been with you all the time. At every moment, Girpa has been there, is that maybe we just haven't opened up our eyes to it. We haven't opened up our hearts to it. And I think the chiseling is, for me, the little bit of the, the rust or the stone over the jyotanas in our hearts. And every day we chisel, a little bit of the yeah. light shines through what we do. You know, um, Colbert, this has been, we began the conversation and it's taken many turns through this but these are what life conversations are about you know you don't plan them it they evolve and things happen thoughts flow i hope this conversation our listeners will enjoy listening to as much as i have enjoyed speaking to you about it and uh, maybe continue these Absolutely. if you're open if you're game <laughs> well i i i would say the the great journey of being uh, the great um, blessing uh, so yeah, being a part of Sikri Sikh Research Institute is is individuals who um, have always been a, a huge source of inspiration in my life from a distance of people that I get to work with on a regular basis and uh, uh, every conversation with you is always like this and I'm glad you had the idea of, of, uh, of recording this in a way that we can share with others so I, I hope um, yeah I hope people get a fraction of of uh, insight from it that I think both of us have given. Thank you. So, bye Guruji ka khalsa. Khalsa, bye Guruji ki fateh. donor. It's with the help from our audiences that the team at Sikri is able to continue exploring Sikh knowledge and illuminating the voices in the community. Or consider becoming a supporter of the SikCast by clicking on support on our anchor.fm page, or you can use the link in this episode's description. However, this podcast is free to all. So if you do like the show, tell some of your friends and family about us. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.